Welcome to the Glam Life Podcast, where we empower and inspire beauty professionals to take their careers to the next level. Your host, Victoria, is a certified business coach with over a decade of experience in the beauty industry, helping countless beauty professionals start and grow successful businesses. Now she's sharing her knowledge and expertise with you. Whether you're just starting out in the beauty industry or looking to take your business to new heights, this podcast is for you, covering topics like community, management, branding, and much more. So join us on this journey to build the beauty business of your dreams. Hey guys, welcome back to the Glam Life Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Rocca. And just as every week, I have another really big baller in the permanent makeup community here with us. Everybody meet my friend, your friend, Danny Trellin. Hey, Danny. Hello, hello. How's it going? Thanks for having me on here. Going well. Thank you for making the time. So you guys, if you don't know Danny yet, he is the man to know when it comes to conferences and all things marketing and visibility. Danny is an accomplished author, marketer, and entrepreneur. And I know a lot of things about him that he doesn't remember. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's so funny. Um, When Victoria asked me like if if I wanted to do a podcast with her, I'm like, yeah, like 100%. And I'm like, well, what do you want to talk about? Then she brought up all of these bullet points from like my I call it my past life because I feel like we go through all of these seasons. I'm like, how right? do you know about this? Like <laughs> half the people, or I was like 90% of the people who know me from PMU don't even know about that side. So kudos to you for digging that deep. I thought I had like removed everything from <laughs> online. You got to scrub the internet. You got to scrub it a little bit more. So you guys, Danny started off in Silicon Valley. That's where you are originally from, right? You grew up there. Correct. Correct. So from Bay yeah. Area, San Francisco, San Jose area, high tech startup. So it was always going to be tech. It was always going to be tech for Danny, I think. And you started off in tech and hated it, right? Um. So I didn't necessarily hate it. It's just I didn't envision that being more like a long term thing, just because when I was in high tech startups, it was like financial technology and banking and financing. So it was like really boring, right? So the thing that I I got out of Silicon Valley, however, was like understanding marketing. So that's how when yeah. I really fell in love with marketing, just understanding what makes people buy and how to make them buy it. And so I thought that was just like such like a fascinating skill set to have and being able to make people buy anything at any time, anywhere. And so that was like one of the biggest things that I've learned in Silicon Valley. It's like being a magician. You can make someone buy anything, anywhere, anytime. But I'm directly quoting you. I hated working my nine to five every day. (laughs) You actually said that being let go from that job was one of the best things that ever happened to you. So he wasn't like fired from misconduct or something. The company folded. A lot of startups do. They're just like, hey, we're out of money. We're going out of business, whatever. You know all about that because Danny is a, like I said, a serial entrepreneur. You've had many companies, many of which just were not right for one reason or another and then you hit the money with high stoke right was that your mm-hmm. first no you had another big company before high stoke yeah so the the timeline for that is you did your research victoria this is crazy <laughs> sorry like if you're, watching, if you're listening to this podcast right now i haven't been asked these questions in years so <laughs> li- okay i'm getting i'm geeking out again so i'm like old danny's like coming back right so um the story is i worked in high tech startups for a little bit in financial technology and during that tech startup boom, like there was just investment money flying everywhere. And oh. so I had a couple of companies, you know, with their marketing and business development. And at the last company I was at, um, the investors pulled out right before the next round of funding. And so at that time, it was, I remember this meeting was crazy. The CEO calls like all, like 12 of us into a room and he was like, guys, we have no more money. The company's going bankrupt. Everyone is let go effectively now. 
How did you feel? How did you feel? How did you? How did I feel? First thought. Hey, what's up? Okay, ads are annoying, so I'm going to make this really quick. Did you know that the Glam Life Podcast now has its own Instagram page? At the Glam Life Podcast. Go check it out. Give us a follow. First thought was like, holy shit. Like, what, what, just, what just happened? Like, no one expected it because we were getting rounds of funding. And so we yeah. thought the company was going to stay afloat. I mean, if anybody, anybody remembers, um, it was a digital credit card. It was called Swipe where you can consolidate multiple cards into like one physical card. So it was like a really cool product. And so we thought the company was going to like obviously last and be around for a while. It was super innovative. But I think with a lot of the the things that happened in like the financial industry, the investors just didn't believe in the company anymore. They pulled out and essentially everybody was fired right then and there. And so, you know, I was really young. And do you know, you know, Ty Lopez? Uh, No. Ty Lopez. So he was like one of the, I don't want to say original, but he was this online marketer where he was promoting a lot of like online entrepreneurship at that time. And so I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm young. Let me just go ahead and like start my own business. I really understand marketing. And so um, I basically tried to do a ton of different things. It was like affiliate marketing, drop shipping. Yeah. You made good mint in drop shipping. Yeah. 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 So so yeah, the drop shipping was like finding like products from like China and then shipping it to people. So I did okay there. You know, I tried like nine different things. They all failed. And then we found a watch company, an e-commerce company, and we were able to scale that one to multiple six figures. So that was like that first sign of like real like success for me, like right after Silicon Valley. Yeah. Well, but you don't have a watch company now. So something happened there. Did you sell it or did you get in trouble? <laughs> this is crazy. So, so essentially we got, we scaled the, the watch company like super aggressively. I had a business partner at that time in less than one year, we grew We were on Kickstarter. Uh, we were on Indiegogo. We did all of these things and we scaled it to multiple six figures in less than one year of being in business. So, you know, just imagine as like a 20 something year old kid, I would say having that money, it was, it was insane. I'm like, this, is, dangerous. this is crazy. Like this is real, like making money online. So I think we grew so fast. We ended up getting into legal issues with one of the largest corporations in the U.S. I'm That's at, what I've read. Yeah. So we can mention who it is. It's actually Tiffany and Company. So oh, we, really? Tiffany and Company. We infringed on one of their trademarks because we had a trademark for like watches, but they had a trademark for jewelry and then watches fall under jewelry. It was like this whole legal mumbo jumbo that I didn't really understand at that time. And essentially, we had to scrap the company, return a lot of the money that we made. And that essentially went bankrupt overnight as well. Yeah, you had $14 left in your bank. You had $14 left in the account. I checked the files. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I didn't check the files. That is really crazy, though. And honestly, a truly humbling experience, right? Because riding high is one thing. But um, what was it? Tupac said it. He said, um, it's, it's the ride up that's the fun part. Because on the way down, you have to face all the people you stepped on. Mm. And I'm not saying that you stepped on anyone. I'm just saying, you know, it's never fun to watch yourself go from, wow, I'm 26 with a million dollars to like, damn, I wonder if I can move back into my parents' place. Yeah, it was a very humbling um, experience. So, um, you know, going from the, the the Silicon Valley job to doing all of these other companies, failing with those and getting all of this like overnight success with this company and then losing it all again. So in just a couple of years, it was like this craziest roller coaster of emotions. Um, and, you know, from there I actually fell into this like really deep depression with like drugs and alcohol for a couple yeah. of years. 
Um, and so it was like a really dark period of my life. And from there, how High Stoke actually formed was, uh, I remember, I remember, I was like, you know what, like, I got to go soul searching, like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I have no money. I'm like addicted to drugs, just drinking every single day. I got to go soul searching. So where do I go? I yeah. go to Seoul, Korea. I'm like, that makes sense, right? <laughs> Bro, this is word for word, Carla Ricciardone's story. This is wild. But she went, she spent six months in an ashram with Buddhist monks. That's amazing. I'm actually going to do an interview with her in like three hours. That's crazy. I'm you are break. on the same timeline. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm like, okay, I got to go so searching. I got to like find myself. I'm at, I'm in such a funk right now. So I go to Korea and with barely- You are not Korean, right? You are I'm not Korean. Korean. I'm Vietnamese. Vietnamese. Vietnamese, correct. Um, so I'm in Korea and I remember getting an email from uh, a brand and they were like, hey, Danny, were you the guy that did marketing for that watch company? I'm like, yeah, that, that was actually me. That was my company. I did all the ads and everything. And he was like, well, we need somebody to help us market our business. Just run the ads. You don't have to come into work. You can just stay home and just work on your computer. And this was before like remote working. Yeah, working nobody remote, works like remote. A thing. So I'm like, wait, you're willing to pay me like $3,000 a month to just stay at home and just run ads. That takes me like an hour a day to do Like Really? That's crazy. And so like there, yeah, like we don't need you to come in. You just work at home. We just need somebody to run our ads. And so that's when the whole world of like freelancing opened to me. I'm like, this is crazy. Like who else can I sign on as a client? And How so, did you meet this guy? Uh, this person was a friend of a really close colleague of mine. Okay. So he, he knew of the brand. And at that time, there weren't a lot of like marketing freelancers yet. Like there were these yeah. big agencies, but no like one man type shows who are doing like uh, things like that. And so um, we did the marketing and I'm like, this is cool. Like maybe I can make a business out of this. So what I, were you marketing for him? Um, they were a 3D toy printing company. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. They ended up being on Shark Tank, by the way. So if you guys want to look up the brand, they're called Toy Box. I think they're still. Oh, I did see them on Shark Tank, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got them on Shark Tank a long time ago. This is like years ago. You see, Danny's been getting results a long, 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 long time. <laughs> <laughs> love, love it. So um, it, it was it was such like a different process of, you know, how my career was starting to, to look. What I mean yeah. by that was like, I was so used to working like the nine to five, being in the office, like eight, sometimes 10, 12 hours a day to like, whoa, like I can stay at home and offer something that uh, is of value and not, not a, like my time not be like compensated for my time. I'm like, okay, like I can literally make this company so much money within this period of time and charge like what I'm worth. And so like this whole world of like freelancing and being go going out and offering marketing as a service, it just started. I'm like, this is crazy. So like, I need to create a company, right? Doing what every early stage entrepreneur does. I got to create a company, LLC, let me go for my name. Everyone's always asking what does High Stoke Media mean? I do not know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I go on one of those like name generators, company name generators. I, I'll like, I'm a marketing company. I really want to help people elevate their passions to the next level. And somehow the name High Stoke came out. I think Stoke means passion. And, you know, for yeah. us, we want to get to a higher level. So it's always that. read as like, you know, uh, like snowboarders will say I'm stoked, that kind of thing. I've always just read it as like high energy. Like we're excited yeah. to do your media. That's how it reads to me. So that's made up. I made that up myself. That's made up. 
it's, it, was, it was a name generator. I was like, that's such a cool name. How'd you think of it? Like, I don't know, like a little name generator, which go, I think we can talk about this later, but you know, at the end of the day, the name doesn't really matter. It's, the name it's, does not it, matter. It, it's really the business, right? Um, I'm wow. on a, I'm on a computer called Apple. The name does not matter. Yeah, absolutely. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like, how do we get more clients? And I figured, you know, some of the, the, the best businesses or the businesses that typically need the most marketing are service-based businesses, like local service-based businesses. So I started doing like regular outreach. I reached out to like doctors, chiropractors, physical therapists, gyms, yoga studios. And so we worked with like dozens of different industries. Um, And this is like 2016, 2017, by the way. So we worked with tons of different industries um, and we were making like really good money. And, but the thing was like, it was really difficult to scale because how you work with a doctor, like a chiropractor, it's very different from a med spa and it's super different than a restaurant. And yeah. so at that time we were trying to figure out like, okay, well, what's the best way to, to scale this thing? And I remember super vividly in 2018 at a colleague, um, she was like, Hey Danny, I just started my microblading business. I had no idea what the word meant. Can you help me market it? I'm like, sure. Like say yes, figure it out later. Right. That's always mm-hmm. been the mentality. If you're willing to pay me, like I'll figure it out. And so I said, yes, did some research. And I find that people are paying eight, $900 to get their brows done within two hours. Yeah. And it was just this light bulb moment or like, okay, like if we really want to grow and scale, let's just focus on one thing and be super freaking good at it. And so from that point on, we just focused on PMU since 2018 and we haven't looked back and that's how like high stove came to be and how we got into the permanent makeup industry. So 2018, it's not like you're new in permanent makeup. You've been around, you've been building, there was buzz around you. I don't mean there was, but I mean, there's been buzz around you for some time. Mm -hmm. How are you able to maintain a good image? Like you're the nice guy or like your company doesn't seem to have a bunch of people slandering it when right now in permanent makeup, there's an entire Facebook community dedicated Mm -hmm. to hating marketers who quote, take advantage of PMU. Like that's how it's seen. How have you avoided that connotation? Yeah, I think it's, it's a couple of things. Number one, like we're really like results oriented. So we always want to make sure that regardless of the situation, like we want to make sure that we're getting results for our clients, but full transparency, like we don't have a 100% success rate, right? We do have a lot of clients that we let's talk about it. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. So Danny and I actually know each other because I fired Danny. Hey, commercials suck, so I'm going to make this really annoying. This podcast is only possible because of our friends at BrowSister.com. Head over to BrowSister.com and check out our amazing selections of the best anesthetics on the market, all of the best and most reputable pigments, needles, and anything else you could possibly want. We've got everyone from Taryn to Shea Danielle, and now we even have lash supplies. See you there, BrowSister.com. Use code GLAMLIFE for 20% off your next order. I hired Danny and he got me zero results, not a single client, not one. And they continually used incorrect branding and verbiage across page after page after page. People would send me screenshots of things that they saw as ads. And I was like, what the fuck is this? You're ruining the brand. I felt like I was so patient too. Like we had multiple meetings where I was like, you guys, team, this is not the vibe. You've got to change. You can't say semi-permanent in Louisiana. I will get sued. You got to stop. On and on it went. And finally, I said, listen, 
you have paid people to work on this and I understand that and we can't get the ad dollars back either. Just pay me whatever's left. And instead, Danny, who I'd never spoken with, the founder of the company called me and said, I've already wired you every dollar you gave us and I want to thank you because this was a learning experience for us because he wasn't trying to get us brow clients. I think we were the first or one of the first companies he was trying to get students for. Mm, it was this was a little like, bit different of a like 2019, game. right? Like yeah. really early on, okay. Yeah, I just had Henry, my second child. So it was spring of 2019. Mm. And he, you gave me dollar for dollar, every single dollar back. I think it was like seven o'clock at night. So after hours for you too, that you called me and told me mm -hmm. this. And I had such respect for that, that I never had a bad taste in my mouth. Like, you know what? We tried it. It didn't work. Out. And on the first call, you guys told me we don't sell trainings. We're willing to give it a shot. We don't sell trainings. Mm. Um, and still extended me the guarantee that you would give me my money back and did. And then at the top of this year, I got an email from High Stoke that was so funny. I was cackling. I screenshotted. I sent it to my old business manager. Um, she lives in Florida now, but she was with me when we had High Stoke. And I was like, you'll never guess who just emailed me. <laughs> High Stoke just emailed me. Hey, we fucked up in the past, but we've worked on ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like the High Stoke apology tour was... Um, genuine it didn't feel like a marketing ploy it felt genuine very hat in hands and also like it's been some time you probably have worked on yourself and i've seen what you've done for other people and also with pmu world obviously you're very good at what you do at marketing um it's possibly one of those right person wrong time kind of things which mm. i feel like is actually the story of me and danny i'm just kidding yeah but um I uh, I want to work with you again. I feel like I love High Stoke. It feels almost like um, my little family. And actually, one of the people who used to work on my team at High Stoke, like whoever was assigned to me, she still DMs me on Instagram all the time. Like, we're friends now. <laughs> she doesn't oh, work for amazing. High Stoke anymore. We're friends. It feels like a company that's not just out to get you. Where I've worked with another marketer in PMU who was supposed to get me clients. And this was even predates me working with High Stoke. And it felt like I was a number. And I could see the same ads being run for other people in my town, same words and everything, like same ad copy, didn't get any results. And then I was told it was my fault. Mm. So when I see people in Facebook groups saying it's a scam or I hate these marketers, whatever, I understand where they're coming from. But I've always wondered what you're doing at your company that makes it so different than these other people who have let every everyone down. I don't want to say everyone, but let mm. me down. Yeah. So. I believe the biggest thing, and we'll talk about like the marketing differences in a little bit, but I think that the biggest thing for us is just always owning up to the mistakes. And yeah. it's not so much of a like, hey, like, look at us now. We're so much better now. But it's like, hey, like, yeah, like we fucked up a lot. Just like every, just like you, you know, starting your P in your career, like you're probably not the most proud of your first 10 to 20 clients. Yeah, uh, I just saw Ruben say that. And I was like, who is writing his PR? Because that was good. Right? That, and uh, it's so true. I got to take a look at that. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So he, he wrote this when, um, in that scammers group, people were like, oh, you know, in these 40 person master classes, such a waste of your thousands and thousands of dollars, blah, blah, blah. And, um, so many people had mentioned his name and tagged him that he actually came, entered the group and commented on the post. And he, that's how he started out. He was like, just like you, when you started your PMU career, I'm sure there are brows you're not proud of that. Mm -hmm. These were my first classes you're talking about. And I haven't trained in person in two years because I'm trying mm -hmm. to retool them and figure out how to do it in a way that gives value. Mm -hmm. So I apologize for anyone who I've let down and please know that I am, I'm not ready to train yet and I'm working on it. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was, I don't think that Ruben was really in that group. 
I think that was absolutely a PR response, but it was PR 101 that was perfect. Mm. And you had already done it with that email. And I thought that was great too. Yeah. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. There's, there is one set of brows that haunts me. Mm. I wish I could find this lady. She's in Mexico now. I wish I could find this lady and remove them for free and give her beautiful eyebrows. But I did something that I now know cannot possibly look good right now. I know that. But at the time, I didn't know that. I was like, well, I'll try it if you want to try it. It's microblading <laughs> over old tattoo brows. Yeah, it's like, you know, the beginning, like you, you don't know what you don't know. And at that time, really early in not super early, but we were trying so many different things that we weren't necessarily like confident in, or we've had vast experience. And so it's the ownership and taking accountability and just again, like owning up to a lot of that. And, you know, it makes me really proud and happy to see like, not just you, but we've had a lot of clients that we have fucked up really bad before in the past coming back to us now, because they've seen the growth and the things that we've been able to learn um, and now working with us again and getting so much better results. And so um, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know, like, again, like what other companies that you're referring to in terms of like what makes us different, but I would say, that, yeah, the biggest thing for us is always learning from our mistakes and never blaming the client for anything, always taking full yeah. ownership and looking at every experience as like, what did we learn from this? Even if it's quote unquote, the client's fault, like, what did we learn from this and how do we prevent this from happening ever again? Yeah. So that's allowed, that's allowed us to grow in the direction that we've been able to grow and just partnering up with, you know, so many amazing people in the industry. Yeah. I actually, even um, just hanging out the last few months, you and I, I've noticed that there are some big like like physical changes that I could point out to with the way that you organize your team now versus what it was when I was there. Mm. So it's not just lip service saying like, oh, well, we've learned, we've grown, we're better than that now, which could be masked by doing volume. Okay, mm. yeah, we we made this much more over that year or whatever. Mm. Okay, but did you make any changes or did you just get more suckers in the door? You didn't actually. You don't have dedicated sales teams anymore. So you could lob things over, but they have to come through us because it's better, you said, this is, I'm just quoting you, it's better to have them form a relationship with the artist who's actually going to be in the room than try and match branding and tone and vibe mm. and everything with this little six-person team. Yeah. I think that's actually really smart. Um, cause before you were very much like a, you know, dollars to donuts done for you company. And now you've said, you know what, we're actually not very good at that. It doesn't translate as well. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge change in even just personnel. That's a huge change. Mm -hmm. And to actually admit that and say like, yeah, we found that didn't work. We stopped doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that we, we get this question all the time, especially for newer artists, like, Hey, do you have any like guarantees? Do you have any, like, can you make sure that I get 10 X my money back? And for everyone that's listening to this, like we were one of the first companies that did offer these crazy claims and guarantees where it's like, you know, pay us 25K and we'll guarantee you $100,000 out of it. Like some crazy stuff like that. And what we realized is that claims and guarantees attract the wrong type of people. It attracts the yeah, people that me. don't want to put in the work, right? It, it attracts the people who are like, okay, well, it, it's just like a false set of expectations and so for anyone that comes yeah. to us asking for a guarantee you're like we actually don't we used to and the reason being is that like everything in life it's a two-way street you can't go to a personal trainer and say like hey can you guarantee me six-pack abs no it depends on no. your diet what you do outside of the relationship together and so we've really changed our approach and expectations and i believe that's truly what's allowed us to get much happier clients because we set the right expectations in the beginning and they're also willing to put in the work and not expecting to get rich overnight without doing any work that's actually really smart and i think that's a, a mature way i think that you lead your company with 
facts and numbers, it doesn't work, get rid of it, try something else. No. Where maybe the difference is that some people don't even accept fault in their own company. I think it's leading with ego. Mm. Actually, I was talking to some of my girlfriends, some of them whom you know, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm having some coffee before I go. I'm recording my podcast this afternoon, but I'm recording with Danny and we haven't had a guy on the podcast yet, but we did a live together and like I, he matches energy really fast, almost like a puppy, you know, like he's up, he's hyper, he's a, he's big and high stoke energy. Right. Mm -hmm. So I got to have some coffee before this. And I think that actually you're just very good at, at reading the room. <laughs> if I'm chilled out, you're chilled out. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that some people come in with such masculine machismo energy that a lot of women in a women dominated industry feel a little uncomfortable working with them. So anytime <laughs> a guy comes into your business that you built and it's your baby, um, I think it feels like, well, I don't really know what the power dynamic is going to be like. Mm -hmm. And so not leading with your ego is much more attractive as a, someone that I want to bring into my business as a partner or someone that I'm, I'm collaborating with on projects, it's disarming. Gotcha. Okay. I, I totally see what you mean. What you mean. And, and I totally agree. So in the beginning, when I first started high Stoke, it was so much about like Danny, 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 it was all Danny Tran, Danny Tran, Danny Tran. And it really was an ego thing. I'm like, you know, look at me, big shot CEO. Like I want to be known for this. And even though like, I still take personal branding seriously, what we do now we don't want to promote ourselves as like the one man show or the YouTube marketer, right? We right. like really a global team with all of the support and resources that you need to build the business of your dream. So when you join High Stoke, you're not like working with me directly, just me. You're working yeah. with amazing success managers, branding experts and coaches. We even bring in like outside artists and trainers to come in and do master classes. And so for us, um, going back to your original question, like what makes us different is that we really position ourselves as this global community and a full support team. And we're really this growth partner for you versus just like a Joe Schmo marketer. That's just, again, like a one man show doing everything. And yeah. so that's what's allowed us to help, you know, clients grow very quickly too. Danny, what is the takeover community? <laughs> that was, that was so random that <laughs> I thought we we're going to go this direction. That was just like, um, you said global community and it reminded me, I don't know what it is. What is the takeover community? Okay, so what year was this? So in the middle of like High Stoke launching, I decided to launch an educational business to help entrepreneurs get into online marketing or people okay. you know, get rid of their, their nine to fives and learn online marketing skills and being able to, you know, freelance marketing like I did when I first started the company. And so, you know, we were really big into like events and masterminds and we were like really this tight knit community where it was all about like digital marketing and, you know, how to get results, run ads and things like that. So it's called takeover because at that point in my life, like my mission was to help you take over all of these aspects of your life, whether it was professionally, financially, mm -hmm. spiritually, you know, taking over all of that back and having your life in your own hands. So that's where that name came from. Um, okay. So, so many stories. I don't know if one hour is enough time on here. Uh <laughs> Carla did too. You can have two. <laughs> you can have two. So it was a great community. And, um, you know, a lot of the people in that community are like my closest friends, my colleagues, some of them even work at High Stoke right now. So oh, it was really? crazy. So it was at like this fork in the road moment where High Stoke was growing and the takeover community was growing and we were growing two businesses. And so High Stoke was the seven figure company with like 20 something employees. 
Takeover was this seven-figure company with like hundreds of clients that we were working with. And I remember I had a friend, Philip, if you're watching this, German dude. And I was like, Philip, like I'm, I'm getting stretched so thin right now. I'm running two companies right now. And it's just driving me insane. Like, what, what do you think I should do? I'm going to butcher this German accent, but he was like, you can't chase two rabbits, right? <laughs> he just tells like, you can't chase two rabbits. And I'm like, man, you're right. Like, I can't, I'm, I'm doing myself and all of our clients and teams such a disservice by being stretched thin like that. Yeah. Um, and so I made the decision to scrap the takeover business um, and just put all of my focus into High Stoke, which is what I'm working on like 100% right now. That's so interesting. It reminds me of... um that talk Elon Musk did where he said there came a point when he had to choose between mm. SpaceX and Tesla. And yeah. essentially they were telling him like there wasn't enough time or funding to have both. And he said, how do you choose between your two children? Mm. That's exactly what you just reminded me of because what a tough situation to be in. My grandpa used to have a saying like your German friend, but his was less eloquent because he is a Lebanese Cajun man. So less eloquent. <laughs> he would say, um, you can't ride two horses, with one ass. Mm. That's true. Somebody's got to stay in the barn. Um, I love that. I'm gonna start saying that one too. But um, you know, the, the takeover community, again, we um were such we were such a close-knit mastermind and we did a lot of these like events and things like that together. And um, you know, it's a great community. A lot of us are still connected to this day, and it's probably they... something like I'll revisit, you know, sometime in the future. Do they help you with PMU World since they're already all these people involved in events already? Some of them, yeah, yeah. So if you How guys does PMU World start. Okay. Okay, we're going yeah. to the PMU World side of things. I, I love this. We're just jumping everywhere. So sorry, this is I have ADHD. So do I. So PMU World. Okay, let me, let me rewind a little bit. I love events. I love going to big conferences like Final Hacking Live, Tony Robbins, Traffic and Conversion. I'm all about networking in person continued education and joining communities where you can, you know, grow alongside each other. So I love big events. Um, we've also been part of our fair share of like PMU related events. So events are great, but I felt like there was this gap where there was no one who did like this super big immersive type experience specifically for the PMU industry. Like what I've seen with other events that I've been to, you know, like a crazy, crazy um, immersive type experience. I'm a, also a really big um, music festival goer. So whether it's like EDC or Coachella or <laughs> Ultra Miami or when we were young, like all of these things. So if you notice a lot of our marketing when it comes to like the lineup, how we release the speakers and things like that, it's heavily influenced by music festivals. I don't yeah. know if everyone like connected the two together. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like this is a challenge. We have such a great community. We want to fill a, a gap in the industry and we want to bring the community together. So why not throw the biggest event ever in the industry? So we decided to create PMU World and how did we were like, well, how do we make it different? How do we make it immersive? So that's where the whole like multiple stages and workshops and like the whole choose your journey experience came to be. Cause we didn't want to be like just another event where it's like one strict schedule because you know yeah. when you go to like a music festival you're like well if you like that artist you go there and i'll meet you after i'm gonna go to this stage right and it's like artists like there you know there's newer artists and there's intermediate and then there's trainers there's advanced and there's you, we wanted to again like make this experience where you can choose your journey and make the most out of that experience for you at the show so that's how the whole concept came to be that's amazing so i didn't make it 
Um, and I'm still pissed about it. So I was supposed to be closing on my dream property the mm-hmm. same day that we were supposed to leave. So they, I already had my tickets booked and everything. And they called and said, Hey, see you at the closing table at this date. I couldn't not go. And then it got pushed. <laughs> I was so pissed. But one of my girlfriends who was going with me, she still went and she was giving me kind of the play by play. And I was like, well, how is it? You know, like, are there really 600 people there? And she was like, I would be surprised if there wasn't 700, 800 people here. There's a lot of people here. She said, and it doesn't feel overpacked because you could be in a couple of different places at any given time. Like, I thought that was really interactive and really cool. And she said, amazing, amazing. And then I had another girlfriend who said, you know, I felt like I didn't really know where I was supposed to be or what I was doing. I felt a little overwhelmed. So, I mean, everyone who goes to Electric Daisy Carnival feels the same way. Either they had an amazing time or they were like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be right now. (laughs) So you did your job, but it seems like it's the play. Everybody wants to be there. I do. I want to go to PMU World. Where we're going to make something happen in 2024, as you know. Um, I think it's also because it's like the for a lot of people, it's the first time having that sort of experience, having multiple stages. So it was like they didn't know what to expect. And again, like we're always learning and we take full responsibility for it. It's like, why didn't we explain the structure a little bit better? And so we're always taking this feedback. So this upcoming year, I think people are going to be a lot more used to the overall format because we even had some comments like, well, if I'm watching this stage, is it rude and disrespectful if I go to the other stage? Like even just- Yeah, that's a good question. Right? And and so, um, you know, knowing that, you know, when we do the marketing this year, it's like, hey, like, don't feel like you're being disrespectful or rude at all. Like, this is where you're choosing your own journey. So feel free to attend half of one. And if the next one is starting, go to the next stage so you can experience that one too. And so I think it's a lot of just educating people ahead of time, which is what we'll fully do this year, upcoming year. Well, you don't know until you've tried it, you know? So um, now that this format exists, there are other people who have already attended the conference who can say, oh yeah, we'll just pop into this room. And you kind of do what you see other people doing. It's one of those things where like, if no one leaves the room, you don't know if you can. Mm. Sure, you can float, you can go in between, you can whatever. Now I think people will be a little bit more relaxed with it and they'll kind of, you know, everybody follows by example. Oh, she's leaving, we can go too. No, yeah, it was, um, so what we did last year was we had one stage specifically for the procedures. And then we had one stage specifically for like advanced business um, tactics. And so it was a really good split because let's say if you don't offer SMP or plan to offer SMP, like why would you want to attend an SMP segment where you can watch Carla who talked about how to scale to multiple locations, right? You looked like a rock star. Yeah, everyone did. We had a great red, that red suit jacket. She looked so good. We had a great content team. We got a double double amount of, of photo guys we have on site this year. I want to um, I want to do that 360 photo booth thing again, like we had. You right. helped put on Woolab, right? Yeah, we helped them with the marketing. So you know, so, yeah. with the ticket sales and everything. And so you know, Woolab they've been a great um organization to partner with. You know, we always love to support them. Uh, Lena, Lydia, they're amazing people. And yeah, this past one in Miami, despite all of the craziness that happened with like fire alarms and. Yeah, that was crazy. It was still a fun show seeing everybody. Bro, the health department was driving me nuts because yeah. there was it was inconsistent. So I was like, how are contestants supposed to know yes or no? Yes right now, but no later. It was driving me nuts. Yeah. So it, that was I, my I first know. experience with Wulop. So I think the competition um, ended at like 
2 or 3 a.m. compared yeah. to like to normal like 10 or something. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. And um, Tina's daughter was there first thing in the morning when I show up, you know, she walks over to my table and she was like, hey, you went to bed early last night. I was like, aren't you? Isn't she like seven years old? Yeah. <laughs> I said, uh, I went to bed at the appropriate time, I think. <laughs> uh, Brooke is awesome. So, she's so funny. Dude, yeah. she was giving me marketing tips. I thought that was so fun. She really knows what she's talking about. You can tell she has been um, in the room during important conversations, business conversations. That's the way to raise an entrepreneur. She mm. knows what she's talking about. Yeah. So shout out to Tina Davies. I mean, Brooke yeah. was giving. So for everyone listening, Brooke is Tina's daughter, sweet daughter. And she's like, Danny, like, you should do this. This is how you attract people yeah. to your booth. Like, this is the lead magnet. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> She knows what she's talking yeah. about. Danny also had um, Brooke run behind him on stage with a money gun, throwing money in the air while he was on stage at Woolup, yeah. which looks and feels a little silly in the moment. But the pictures and videos probably look baller because Brooke took my phone and my little Pivo that tracks you, you know, uh -huh. and she videoed herself blowing the money gun at it as she ran past in slow-mo. Yeah, that kid understands marketing. Okay? He <laughs> looks like a badass. I was like, "Oh, Tina, I'm gonna airdrop you this because this is like this is for graduation. This is for her wedding reception. Like this looks cool." Yeah. <laughs> no, Brooke is Brooke is amazing. I love Brooke. I'll Facetime her every now and then. I'm like, "What's up, Brooke? What are you doing?" <laughs> you Facetime her. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So, okay, so you got it. How did you get involved with Woolop? They reach out to High Stoke, or did you already know Lydia? Um, Woolop. So we started. Is this the second year we've been part of it, or three? I think this is the second year. So yeah. So so last year, last year was also. It wasn't. Well, it wasn't in Miami. It was like another one of those nearby cities, Aventura or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. So I connected with Lena. I connected with Lena, and yeah, I think she just knew that we did marketing for like events and you know PME artists. So at that time, they needed help filling out seats. For that will up 2022, yeah, 2022, 2022. And then from there, we'd help them with the marketing, filling up their seats. And it was such a success that previous year. Like, let's have you guys back as a sponsor and partner this upcoming year, too. That's so nice. Or do you partner with other um, big events like this in PMU? So right now, just Woolop, we're talking with a couple of international ones that I'm actually waiting to get like their green light to say that we're actually in collaboration with PME World 2, which is really just super exciting. You know, a lot of the girls who are in our uh, VIPMU right now, which is a mentorship program, we mentor skills, but we also mentor like, you know, figuring out your branding and just mm. general business mentoring. A lot of them are really discouraged with reach on Instagram right now. Mm. And we're feeling kind of like, is meta kind of dead? Like, have they killed their algorithm? Mm, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Okay. Let, we're talking about it. <laughs> okay. okay. Go, let's go. <laughs> I'm just going to okay. cut into, you know, at VIPMU. <laughs> okay. So there's this, I don't want to say it's a misconception because it's also somewhat true that, um, you know, reach has, okay. Reach has definitely been affected. So I think this is when where if you've been seeing a lot of reach and engagement over the past couple of years and now is starting to die down, like that is actually happening across the board. And nobody, you can't really pinpoint exactly why. It could be like the algorithm is changing. Maybe they want to incentivize you to spend money to get in front of more people, which I always think is true. Um, yeah. You know, the, the way to simply combat that, and maybe I'm biased because I'm a marketer, but 
I'm always, my whole philosophy is that why not spend money to make money? Why not spend money to get in front of people predictably and reliably versus just posting something and hoping that it gets in front of the people that you want it to get in front of. And so for me, it's always been paid advertising is the name, is the name of the game and heading into 2024, I truly believe that is going to be like what you need to do if you want the business to survive. Because Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, because I was going to say just to close that, um, you know, we've had so many clients who are crushing it for the past five years that like I've always been booked up for six, seven, eight months, even a year, and now I am playing it on a week by week basis because I don't even yeah. know where my next client's coming from now, and it's because referrals and organic traffic it will dry up, and especially in a world where the economy is kind of weird now, people are, are a lot more conservative. So the best way to get in front of people is just to spend money to put your ads in front of these eyeballs. Do you feel like ads ad spend is better on Meta or with like Google ads? Good question. All of the above. So okay. are you so on TikTok ads? TikTok ads. TikTok ads also work, but it's more for like engagement. And I'll, I'll explain. Um, I, I call a human world. This was in my presentation. I called it like the holy trinity of ads and everyone was like laughing. So with Facebook and Instagram, this allows you to put your ads in front of people who didn't even know you existed yet. So you know, when you're scrolling through your feed, you're like, oh, sponsor post by Victoria Glam. Like, who is this? Click and you're learning more. Google is search intent, meaning you have to look, somebody has to look up best microblading artists in Louisiana for your ads to even pop up. But that's why you get these roller coaster moments because maybe that month, no one's even looking for it. Yeah. And so we look at Google as like the cherry on top. And then what TikTok is supposed to do is to drive traffic to your Instagram, which does all of the selling for you. So in 2024, like Instagram is your resume. You got to upload your portfolio pieces and things like that. So um, to answer your question, all of the above for sure. That makes sense. So Google ads is like your insurance, you know, tried and true. If somebody is looking for microblading there, they can find oh. you and they're already pretty warm. Even if they don't know you, they at least know what microblading is. Because back in the day when everybody first started um, meta ads, that would be the number one question. What mm. is this? How much does it cost? And now I've paid 60 cents for somebody to ask me what microblading is and they don't talk to me anymore. So no. there, that makes sense. You're right. If they're searching it, that's good. TikTok is more like, Hey, look at me. This is what I do. If you want to learn more, go to my Instagram and then you warm them on Instagram till they're ready to buy. Exactly. Nice. Look at me catching on to things fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what's a healthy budget to expect when you start working with ads? That's a good question. So I would say with all of the clients that work with this, set aside at least $500 a month. I would say that's okay. the bare minimum to get things up and running. So you break that down. That's like, $15 a day, 15 to $17 a day. So it's not much at all. Um, we see a lot of people start off too slow, meaning they spend like $5 a day. I don't think you're going to reach enough people to get good results or have enough data to make decisions. So I would say $500 a month at, the, at a bare minimum. And if you are in a more saturated city like Miami, New York City, Los Angeles, um, expect it to be a little bit higher. So like 500 to 1000 And then if you want to do trainings, that's an additional budget too, just because the amount of people wanting to take trainings, it's much lower compared to those who sure. want to get services done. Yeah. So do we, looking to the future, do we expect that at some point we'll be in bidding wars? Like you'll have to spend more to get seen because other people are going to say, okay, fine, I'll pay for ads. 100%. So we're already noticing that now. And depending on the service that you offer. So let's say you do something that's a little bit more niche. When I say niche, it's like less, the target audience is less. What I, For example, like SMP. 
stretch mark rejuvenation, right? Compared to those who need to get their brows done, like that target size is just smaller. So that will naturally increase the amount that you need to spend to reach those people. And so I think in 2024, one of the biggest and most important things that you can do as a business owner is to be on top of your numbers. So meaning like, what is your cost per lead? You know, how much is it costing you to get one person to inquire? And then what's your conversion rate? So meaning out of every 10 messages you get, like how many do you actually convert into a booking? And then from there, yeah. you kind of, you really understand your customer acquisition costs and it gets really fun. Um, going back to what we were saying in the beginning, it's like, you're a magician, right? This is how you print money. So by spending yeah. $50, you're making 500. And once you're on top of the numbers, it becomes really fun with ads. How do you, or not you, because you have a degree, but how do a layman who just said, hey, you know what, I'm going to start this beauty business, and they never expected even to start a business. They just thought they were going to start microblading. Now they find themselves in a business, and they've had tons of leads, and they've had tons of clients, and now things are drying up, so they're going to move to ads now. How does that person figure out their cost per lead? Okay, so... First off, like anyone, like obviously you can hire a company like Highstoke, number one, yeah. right? or you can go to YouTube and search up how to run Facebook and Instagram ads. I think it's in 2024, like you can be so resourceful. There's so much free content out there. You just have to like sift through like what's actually going to be good. So when you're running an ad, um, I don't know if anyone can like visualize this, but when you run an ad, you're targeting like your local area and then you'll know exactly how much it costs for you to acquire that lead. So it'll literally just show you like, okay, if your budget was $20 today, and let's just say for simple math, you got four leads. That means your cost per lead is $5. Right. So, so you're just telling people like log in and look at the numbers, basically. Just look at the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so it doesn't like leads. keep a spreadsheet or something like that. You know, you don't need a spreadsheet, especially with ads. Um, it's, it's like, it's so crazy. people are maybe overcomplicating this. People are overcomplicating it. And it's like, if you are a business owner and you've been in business for the past four to five years, aren't you tracking how much money you're making? Like how many bookings are you getting on a monthly basis? You how would be surprised how few people are doing that. I, I, now I know that. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of, so it's funny because I've always been so, like, so numbers driven and yeah. going into this industry. And I'm like, you know, how much monthly revenue are you making? Like even to this day, like I just yeah, asked no, somebody yeah. on, a, on a call, like what's your monthly revenue? It's like, I actually don't know. I'm like, well, how many clients did you get? I think three or five. Well, is it three or is it five? And <laughs> did they pay you? I think like 500 to 700. Well, is it 500 or is it 700? So I feel like people just need to be on top of their numbers is what I'm trying yeah. to say. <laughs> so maybe a little, maybe we need some ad help. Maybe we need some business coaching. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm telling you right now, there are so many people who come in as a junior into business coaching. Like it's their first time running a business. They haven't even thought of it as a business yet. Their mindset is still hobby. Yeah. And I ask them these simple questions like, well, are you an LLC or a sole proprietor? Mm. Like, I, I don't know. What does that mean? I say, did you do a schedule C or I don't know. What does that mean? Like, it's it seems elementary because we've done it so many times or for so long but a lot of people really that's we're meeting them where they where they are and they're at yeah. the very very beginning yeah so i think some of these more tedious questions are important because people want to know what to expect before they okay i'll give you my very hard earned 500 dollars. 500 is small in the world of ads because that's small ad spend but yeah. that took somebody three weeks to earn that one brow for 500 on their own yeah so it was really hard to get that money together. <laughs> Absolutely. I think a mindset to also have is that 
I think a lot of people get into the industry just wanting to be an artist, but the yeah. reality is that you're now an entrepreneur and business owner. That means you have to know sales. You have to know systems. You have to know your numbers. And every time we say this, well, we, we hear like, oh, like in the crowd, yeah. right? Every time we get like, say, no, like, I just want to be an artist. If that's the case, you can work under somebody commission based and you don't have to worry about like the craziness of running an actual business. But right. if you're like looking to like get your own studio, have your own brand, become a trainer one day, like these are all of these, um, business skills that you'll eventually have to acquire. Like right. You don't want to build a house of cards. You have to have a solid foundation yeah. to be able to add on products or trainings or, you know, become a travel trainer or an international speaker or what you, you have to have a solid foundation or else everything falls out from under you. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like, again, and also like one more point to drive this home is that you got to understand it's, it's crazy. I'm like, I'm on these calls and I'm like, well, what's your goal? Like, what's your monthly yeah. revenue goal? It's like, well, it'll be nice if I can have this or this. And it's still like not clear. So I feel like as a business owner, you should be clear as to what your monthly goal or yearly goal is. And that way it's so much easier to reverse engineer. I know that's just like a very logical answer, but it's just what you have to do. For example, let's just say you want to make 120K a year. Like we're not going to talk about like, like overhead inventory or any of that, but just for simple math, if you want to make 120 grand a year, that means you need to make 10 grand a month. That means you need to make $2,500 per week. Let's say you work five days out of the week. That means you got to make $500 per day. If you charge $500 for a service, that means you got to get one client in per day. And when you think about it like that and you set your goals and even write it down, you're like, okay, well, did, did I hit my goal of one booking today? And if the answer is no, it's like, like, what do you have to change as part of your day-to-day -day routine to make sure that you're, you know, hitting that number instead of focusing on something that doesn't really matter, like business cards and tweaking your website or spending five yeah, nobody, hours on that reel. Let's just dispel that. Let's just dispel that right now. Nobody gives a fuck about your business card. <laughs> we don't. I mean, when somebody hands you their card unprovoked, like someone just walks up to you and they're like, hi, nice to meet you. I do brows. Here's my card. What do you do with it? You either shove it in your purse and you forget no. about it. And then later when you're cleaning out your purse, you throw it away or you set it down somewhere else so that you don't feel like a dick for throwing it away, but you don't keep it. No. Because the first thing you're going to do is look up their Instagram anyway. Yeah. That's such it's a waste of your money. And people will take so much that they'll procrastinate and that allows them to procrastinate. They're like, no, no, I'm still getting my, I'm waiting on my cards. I'm still getting my branding, right? None of that matters. You're just allowing yourself an out from doing the work. I had a lady hang up on me today because she refused to do the work. And I, I refused to coach her. You didn't take my advice and I gave it to you for free. And now you're asking me for free advice again, that you're going to ignore again. So I was just like, yeah, you're right. It didn't work. Cause you didn't do it. Yeah. And then we sat in the silence for a minute. And then she was like, well, I just, I didn't like the way it made me feel. So I wasn't going to do that. And I was like, well, you would know because you didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I said, I think we need to have another podcast, another episode where we talk about like these hard truths, because I feel like we got to call out a lot of these things that, that are happening. I mean, yeah. we talked about this last time on our live, but one of the things that we coach all of our clients to do is like figure out like what you're doing on a daily basis or these big decisions and then ask yourself is this directly correlating with me making more money for my business? Right. So what I mean by that is, you know, people are like, they're struggling. Okay. Like I'm not getting any new clients, but instead of marketing and trying to get new clients, let me take another training because I right. think going from five to six X certified will make me more money. Right. So <laughs> I've seen your face. We just spoke about this. So I'm laughing. <laughs> it's like, there's no difference in being five X certified and seven X certified. And you know, nobody and cares. No one can. Your clients don't care. 
That's why the girl who fucking sucks at eyebrows gets more clients than you because no. she's personable and she shows up on social media all the time and people feel like that's their friend. So they go to her. And mm. did she ever take any training at all? I don't actually know. She said she did, but she won't say who she trained with. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it because the brows are terrible. I don't, I think she watched a couple YouTube videos and maybe found a microblade at some point, but she's making more money than you. Yeah. And by the way, if that's a reality, if I've just described someone you know and you're listening to this, invest in a saline removal class or a laser class ASAP because that's mm -hmm. going to come back around. But in yeah. the meantime, you saying I'm six times certified, nobody cares. You could say Tina Davies herself trained me and your clients don't know who Tina is, so they don't care. That's amazing to me, but nobody else cares. Yeah, that, it, That's not part of marketing. Yeah, I think a lot of people nowadays too, like they're branding themselves to attract other PMU artists versus clientele. And if you're yeah. a trainer, that's a different story, right? I'm talking about like those who are just starting out. And for example, I just made a presentation on this where I see a lot of new artists, they'll put hashtags, hashtag PMU artists. Ha and if you think about it, who are the people that are going to click on the hashtag PMU artists? Right. Other PMU, PMU artists. artists, right? And that's not the Clients don't know what PMU is. Yeah, exactly. They think everything is microblading. Microblading, a microblading artist. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. You're right about that. And you know what else? Um, I think that people who do these follow for follow trains, you're killing yourself in the algorithm mm -hmm. because you're telling Instagram that the people who want to follow you are other PMU artists. So mm -hmm. you're not going to get more clients that way. It's it's yeah. silly to say like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to grow my account. I'm a brand new artist. Would you guys want to follow me? I'll follow you back. Yeah. You're or, training the algorithm wrong. Exactly. Or they'll look up the hashtags PMU artists and then engage with other PMU artists when in yeah. fact they should be engaging with people in the community. And so like a quick tip on that, it's like look for geotags for really popular places in your city. So if you're in Las Vegas, Nevada, click on Las Vegas, Nevada and just maybe like it's a lot of work for sure, but it's a grind and hustle in the beginning. But look for, you know, maybe people who are posing in your city and you're like, yeah. hmm, maybe it should look better with some combo bros. I don't think I would text <laughs> you. I don't think I would comment that. Like, you would look better with your brow done. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying you comment look nice. I'm saying, like, like her pose, like her pose, like somebody that you know in your mind that would look better with the combo bros. <laughs> Danny, you're supposed to be an amazing marketer. I've been hyping you up this whole time. And your advice <laughs> <laughs> to go to tourists on, on hashtag Las Vegas and tell them. Okay, okay. Las, Las Vegas was the Las Vegas was the wrong example. There's too many tourists here. Do you find the hashtags are still like driving content? I don't think. You know what? I I would say like yes and no. Like it's not it is More driving because like sometimes people do like look at hashtags and then they'll they'll engage and comment and things like that. But it hasn't been such a driving factor where we're like, oh my God, like you have to do use this strategy. So yeah. for us, like we're, we've always been the paid people, meaning like, you know, spend money to make money, spend money to get in front of the right people. So the way that we always like to look at it too, is like organic works like really well, but we like to look at it as again, like the cherry on top. So you're using paid traffic to get more people, more eyeballs into your page, but your organic content should give people a reason to actually stay. So yeah. that's also like another thing, because like sometimes we get like people with um, artists with like really shitty pages, like it's just all before and after. It's just, mm. it's just when I say shitty, like I don't mean to be insulting. I'm just saying it's like it's really boring. It doesn't give people a reason to actually it doesn't stay. convert well. It doesn't convert well. Yeah. Like nobody knows who you are. Nobody sees who's behind the chair. 
Um, sometimes Dude, I don't, food. I tell you what, uh, these are the biggest offenders. It's only before and afters. So it could be anybody who does microblading. It does mm-hmm. not matter that it's you. Nobody knows who you are. It's only before and afters. And by the way, they're mediocre. Mm. And the other one is people who post their personal life to their feed where it lives forever. So when somebody comes across your profile and they start scrolling, they see your dinner and your kids and the outfit you bought and that you went to St. Lucia last year, Mm. but they don't see the work that you do. Mm. That is no bueno. I think it's okay to put personal stuff in your story because that's people who already follow you. You're just keeping your warm leads warm. Yeah. And building community, you can, you know, interact there, ask questions, have conversations, whatever. But on your feed, your feed is like you said, like it's a portfolio. It should be what you would want to show a stranger when they said, what do you do for a living? Yeah. And there are a lot of shitty profiles that don't convert. There are a lot of them. And that's the hardest thing, I think, when you're coaching is like training someone on social media, how to like what you actually should post and what you shouldn't post. Well, you told me not to do that. I said not to do it on your feed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you still have to be a person. <laughs> <laughs> and just before and afters is not enough. It's yeah. not enough. Yeah. So I think the biggest piece of advice here for I think from both of us is you got to put yourself out a lot more. And I, I think a lot of the people who are newer, like they, again, have this mentality of like, I just want to be an artist behind the chair and not know, and not have to like be in front of the camera or anything like that. But I feel like, you know, in 2024, if you're not doing that, there's no way that you're going to, you know, cut through all of that noise. Listen, if that's really what you want, if you're really dedicated to this idea of, I don't want to have to actually put myself out there and do the work. I don't want to run Facebook ads. I don't want to, you know, commit to filming days for marketing. I just want to show up and do my work and go home, then get hired by somebody who will do the work. Mm. That's not an option for you. Then hire someone who will do the work. Cool. You got to cut that into a 60 second reel and pin it on your feet. (laughs) (laughs) You ruined it. Love it. Oh my love God, it. I love you. All right. Well, Danny, if people are interested in hiring someone who will do all the heavy lifting for them, or if they're interested in PMU world where they can go and meet and network with like-minded individuals, where can people find you? Yeah. So we're super active on Instagram. We, we post like multiple times throughout the day. And so for the high suck media side, if you are a permanent makeup artist and you want to grow and scale your business to the next level, um, contact us on Instagram is H-I-G-H. S-T-O-K-E-M-E-D-I-A, High Stoke Media. It's not High Stroke. Everyone thinks there's an R in it. Yeah, they do. There's no R, just High Stoke uh, Media. And for PME World, we're going to, well, I don't know when this podcast is going to get released, but we have the dates locked already, and we're going to announce that very soon. And so PME World Live, P-M-U-W-O-R-L-D-L-I-V-E. Shoot us a message on Instagram, or you can go to pmeworldlive.com. All of the updates are there. You can sign up for the wait list and tickets will be launched very shortly here. Exciting. Thank you so much, Danny. I appreciate you making time for us today and everyone else. I will see you next week. <laughs>